Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you again to your 2023 Masterclass. Are you ready? (coughs) Ready or not, here, here you are. We're digging into the Gospel of Luke as apprentices to the Master Jesus himself. That's kind of the framework in which we're looking. Now, we all know what it means to be an apprentice. Whether you have apprenticed or not, you've got an idea. You want to learn a certain trade or profession. You've identified that. You've talked to others. You've maybe worked a bit with it. And so you decide, I'm going for it. So you join a program of work and study where you're learning under a proficient master for a period of time with the hopes and plans that once you've gained enough knowledge and enough experience and enough practice, when you've got your hours in, when you've been deemed proficient in that trade and whatever that looks like, you're then going to be stamped somehow and told you can go. Now, go and work on your own as hopefully a master in that trade. Not that there isn't more to learn and more to experience, but you've got it, right? We know that that's what apprenticeship means. And we're taking this apprenticeship idea and applying it to our following of Jesus, the master. Uh, We've often called this following of Jesus uh, discipleship. And of course, that's a good word. It's a word that we believe, but it's also a word that in some ways has been maybe overplayed, overused, applied too broadly. And when we think about uh, our larger culture, it's not a word that's used very often in other places and maybe isn't as relevant. But apprenticeship gets at something key, something important, something true about our discipleship, where we're committed to learning under the master Jesus, so that we become proficient in his ways. Even you could say professional with his words, with an understanding and an experience where we actually have some confidence in the kingdom trade, both individually and as a church. And we're using Luke as our apprenticeship guide, our playbook our master class. Last week, we got started with the first four verses of Luke. We were invited into this apprenticeship through the nickname Theophilus, which I hope somebody is going to name their kid Theophilus in 2023, just because of this, right? We missed out on the two that were born in 2022, but uh, we can hold out for hope. The name Theophilus meaning a lover of God, right? And we saw even in those first four verses how Luke's goal is the goal of his master class, the goal of his gospel, the goal of our time together is that as lovers of God, we would confidently be following Jesus. And there is a confidence that comes and Luke says himself, that's his goal. He wants there to be an increased confidence, a certainty in what Theophilus has been taught. 
And that, of course, is true for us too. And if you, if you miss that message, it does set us up. And so if you can spare a half hour, I'm sure you would benefit. You can catch it on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, on our website. And today, we're going to just go right from those first four verses. We're going to leapfrog over all those wonderful stories that we already looked at during Advent. Stories about Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Mary and Joseph and, of course, Jesus' own birth. Wonderful stories. Again, if you miss some of those, you can find them on our website or uh, some of our channels. But we are leapfrogging over those and landing today in a very unique story, a -a one-of-a-kind story, actually. It's chronicled for us only by Luke. We know we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This story only shows up in Luke. It's a coming-of-age story where Jesus is a growing boy who has turned 12. For Jewish boys, we know that becoming 12 is the age when they become man, or at least begin to transition into manhood when they're recognized as a man. And here Jesus is 12 years old. And what are we going to learn from 12-year-old Jesus? What are we going to learn from his story? In fact, how will this story about 12-year-old Jesus deepen our apprenticeship to Jesus himself? Well, let's dig into Luke and see where it takes us. I do invite you to turn your Bibles. I encourage you to bring a Bible. You can look it up on your phone. Those of you who are with us online, in the chat bar, there's a little Bible tab you can click on and look it up as well. We're in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. This is the story. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Can we just pause for a moment for a little parental encouragement? I found this on the Instagram yesterday. When someone questions my parenting, well, first of all, Mary and Joseph accidentally lost the 12-year-old son of God for three days. So meditate on that for a minute. So after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He, said, he asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house or the other translation, their competing translations? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. There's a real parenting moment in there. Now I want to invite you to hear this story one more time. It is great when we hear particularly the narrative stories in the Gospels, in the uh, Old Testament stories, 
that we try to put ourselves in the story. And so I want to invite you to hear this story again, but this time, try to feel yourself in the story. Try to find yourself. Maybe you're one of the relatives, and Mary has walked up to look for Jesus. Uh, Maybe you're one of the uh, people around in that crowd in the temple. What did it feel like to be part of this story? What did it smell like? What did it look like? Who are the people in the crowd? Let's just hear the story again. And in your mind's eye, try to see it unfold. So here it is. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, any business owner will tell you that the surest way to fail a business is to forget what business you're in. Right? Examples abound. And the surest way to, of course, get fired from a business is to then forget whose business you're serving in. Well, today's story of Jesus puts this truth front and center. As followers of Jesus who are apprenticing, we are apprenticing in the business of Jesus, which turns out to be the business of his father. Now, the question of what kind of business is it is going to come. In fact, this is the whole point of Luke's stories, both volume one, which is called the Gospel of Luke, as well as Volume 2, the Acts of the Apostles. Luke wrote both, covering like a quarter of the New Testament, Luke's writings. That's going to be all about what kind of business is this. But before we get to what kind of business we're apprenticing in, first and foremost, we need to get clear on whose business it is. We're not apprenticing in a business that is ours. And we need to get that clear. We're not promoting an enterprise that we dreamt up. There is no such thing as entrepreneurs in the Jesus trade. Not in this sense. 
As followers of Jesus, we've come to learn the trade from the master in whose business we've been called to serve. His business is our business. And unless that's straight in our heads from the get-go, we're never going to get the hang of what the business is really about. How does this come out in the story we just heard? Well, Jesus, now come of age, 12 years old, and embracing his identity as the son of God. And he immediately moves to organize his life around his father's business. And this is a shift away from the expectations that everyone else would have had of him. Certainly away from the expectations that Joseph and Mary had. Those closest to Jesus. They were caught off guard. Did you notice? A bit surprised by this sudden move. I mean, you can kind of see in them. Well, it's all over the text. They're confused, aren't they? They're ignorant. They do not know what's happening. It's like Jesus has just dropped out. And I can just see Mary going, he's never done anything like this before. He's been such a good boy. <laughs> right? Come on, he's always there. Right when you need him. And now he's gone. Like, poof, vanished without a trace. Three long, anxious days, they frantically searched for him. I can only imagine how they felt, only to find him right back where they left him. (laughs) And when confronted by his anxious, and I think at this point, frustrated parents, did you see what he does? Did you see what Jesus did? He gently pushes back against their expectations of him as their son pointing to his responsibility now as a man who is the son of the most high God. Did you see that? In the Jewish household, of course, the father bears the family authority and it was in his business, the father's business, that any faithful son would serve and Jesus agrees with that 100%. It just happens to change the identity of who the father is. See how he did that? Feeling mistreated, Mary explains, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, let's pause for a moment because if you remember back in Matthew, if you, if you read the stories in Matthew, you know that Mary and Joseph have, have put their lives on the line for Jesus like a lot at this point. This is a family that has traveled. You understand? They escaped the megalomaniac Herod because he's trying to kill babies. Remember that? They moved all the way to Egypt. You don't want to go to Egypt. Well, they don't want to go to Egypt. They go to Egypt. Remember? They live there until the king dies. Then they decide, well, that angel, you know, angels talk to Joseph in his dreams. You can go home now, but oh, but not all really home. Go somewhere else because there's, you know, his cousins or whatever. And what I'm trying to say is they've moved around a lot with Jesus. They put their lives in the line a lot for Jesus. They've kind of rearranged their lives already around Jesus. And now this, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Your father and I have been anxiously 
searching for you. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. But Jesus takes that father title, he takes it away from Joseph. And he gives it directly to God. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? You kind of feel like Joseph at that moment. Exactly! That's exactly what I'm saying! Except, no. Something else is going on. Yes, Jesus says, I know, I do serve in my father's business. Yeah, I know I'm under the authority of my father, but mom and dad, Joseph and Mary, it's time for me to start working on my true father's house, applying myself to my true father's business, which Luke tells us they did not understand. Can we just acknowledge, yeah, how would they have? How would they have understood what was going on? Blows away everything they had sort of expected or thought, everything he had done before. I mean, they're just trying to figure this kid out. And now he's changing again. And this shift that Jesus identifies here, this shift in the authority that he's orienting his life around is critical for us to grasp as his apprentices now. Jesus here at 12 begins to pursue a life under a higher authority in a contrasting business, following a different way, a different means, a different word, a different method than those around him and certainly different than what those around him expected of him as the eldest son. Now, it's not that he then rejected his earthly parents. That's actually really clear. As we're going to see next week, after all this hullabaloo and confusion and lost kids and oh my goodness, what's going on? Jesus actually went home and submitted to Joseph and Mary and went back to living in their house and then presumably supporting their business for, get this, 18 more years. 18 more years. Jesus doesn't, the next picture of Jesus we have when he emerges in, into ministry, he's 30. For 18 more years, Jesus served his father's business by submitting to his earthly father mom and dad. But in this event, there's a mark that's made where Jesus moves from boyhood to manhood and it's signaled by this shift in his ultimate authority. Whatever he's doing now, however culturally appropriate even it may look, everything he's doing now is because he is ultimately submitted to his father's will. He's now marching to his father's orders. He's fulfilling his father's mission. He's serving in his father's business. And if people didn't get it, that was okay. Even the people who are closest to Jesus, even the people around him, who, as we see in the earlier stories, are faithful, faithful people blamelessly following God, doing exactly what he's asked them to do and suffering for it. They didn't understand, but they weren't the true authority over him. Not anymore. Jesus was the son of the Most High, committed to his father's business, working on his father's house. Well, as apprentices of Jesus, as his followers, this is something we've got to get straight. 
The call to follow Jesus, the call to learn his ways, to be his disciples, is a call away from our own business, our own enterprises, operating under our own authority, whether that be our cultural authority or expectations from family or some ideological thing or some ethnic story or just what we've always known. It's a call away from that as the ultimate authority to join Jesus in his father's business and to be submitted to the same authority that he is submitted to. Now, what we discover, of course, is that doesn't mean that we don't continue to work in our said business. We don't stop being doctors or plumbers or whatever it is that we do, homemakers, teachers. That doesn't stop. We continue to work at our particular jobs and serve in particular ways. But how we engage that, how we understand that, what our priority is within that, the very ways we then live out within these cultural uh, situations, these family expectations, these these things that we're we're doing to, to, to make the bread and the butter, all of that is now lived out as a person who is fully devoted to the business of the father first. Like Jesus, we can be hammering away in the back shop, you know, in dad's trade. But we do so as people who are clear that ultimately whose business this is, is God's. It's the father's. And everything I do is an expression, is a, is a way of, of being part of the father's trade. When Jesus asks us to follow him, he asks people to follow him, he's often quite sparse in the details. Have you noticed that? When Jesus called you to follow him, did he tell you everything that was going to happen when you did? I doubt it. Yeah. And even the things you thought were going to happen probably didn't. At least not in the way you thought. When Jesus asks us to follow him, he's remarkably sparse in the details. We don't get told in advance exactly where we're going to go what we're going to do, even what we're going to learn. Jesus simply begins by calling us to learn from him. The reference point is him as we follow. And this is where our apprenticeship in the way of Jesus differs from our apprenticeships in the world, our culture, the the, the regular professions and trades that we're in, the good things that we're involved in. With apprenticeships of today, it is important to know what you're going to learn, right? It's important to detail with the employer exactly how are you going to teach me or how am I going to get my hours or how am I going to move toward the you know, proficiency in this said trade. That is important. In the apprenticeship of Jesus, it's more important that we get the who we're going to learn from straight first. We've got to get that settled right out of the gate. Apprenticeship with Jesus in his father's business is far more about who we're learning from than what in particular we are learning to do. And so I want you to understand this, even as we approach this today and approach this together this year, it is important. Our master class through Luke is an invitation into the story of Jesus first. The who always comes before the what. We're learning from the master. What are you learning? Well, I'm not sure yet. Well, what are you going to know when you're done? I don't know. <laughs> well, in what ways will your life be changed as a result? 
guy, I have no idea either. The only thing you really can say is, but I do know who I'm going to be learning from, and wow, he's awesome. He's amazing. Have you seen the kind of things he does? The who always comes before the what. It's as we learn from the master that the what of his trade gets clearer and clearer. The what we are supposed to be doing begins to take on definition as we follow the who of the trade itself. Jesus comes first. Like Mary and Joseph, it is easy in life for us to go on ahead and pursue our own plans because we got to be back home in just a couple days only to find that Jesus isn't following us. Do you know that? Jesus is not following you or me. Should come as a relief, actually, because most of us don't have any idea where we're going. (laughs) We are supposed to be following him. Like Mary and Joseph, we can get very distressed when we realize that Jesus isn't just falling in line behind us. We can find ourselves anxiously searching for him because we've forgotten that Jesus is not serving in your business or mine or ours. We are called to be serving in his Like Mary and Joseph, we can feel kind of mistreated by Jesus' seeming disregard for our anxiety and stress. I mean, three days, people. How did he do it? Come on, really, seriously. Causing your parents some grief for a couple of hours or like overnight. You know the heat you got from that, right? Anyone stinging with a memory? Sometimes the very reason that we experience anxiety and stress is because we've been holding on to our own business so tightly we've forgotten that the business Jesus has called us into isn't ours, it's his. Like Mary and Joseph, we may not always understand what Jesus is up to, what he's saying, what he's doing, but we can trust him that if we will turn around and go back, retrace our steps, in fact, we will find him. We can trust him to lead us through his own life, through his own example, through his own teaching, through his own ministry. We can trust him to show us what it means to be in the father's business. If we'll simply stick with him, he's the master. We are their apprentices. We can learn, stick with him, keep following. And so the challenge for us, the invitation for us is are we going to say yes to his mastery? Yes to the apprenticeship. It will push all your buttons. It certainly pushes mine. Definitely pushed Mary and Joseph's. But when we come right down to it, the question is, are we going to be that submitted learner? Do you know what a terrible apprentice looks like? Have any of you worked with one? I had the privilege, my first big job out of high school, of pumping gas for a year. I think every high school kid should do something like that. 12-hour shifts, serving the customer. It was good for my soul, good for my character. It was just good. Alongside this full-service uh, service station was a three-bay garage. Now, those of you who know me, I'm not gifted in the area of mechanical things. Even though I grew up on a farm, I did not pick up whatever all the other kids picked up. But I did learn through the patience of the guys that worked in the bays next door, how to, you know, fix tires and change oil, and they let me do stuff. And it was all fine and good. 
But every once in a while, there was a new apprentice on site. And this apprentice would come in on the first day, and guess what he would do? No, he would just start telling the other mechanics how to do their job. Because he knew better. (laughs) And so, with a smile on their face, they would send him to the parts store to buy fake parts. And they did. They just loved it. And they just kind of wave and watch as he drives down the road to the parts store to ask for, you know, like, uh, what was it? It was things like a brake fluid shaker or it was things like a, a, f- a fan belt fluid. or Like they would just make up stuff with a deadpan face and send this kid down the road. And he'd faithfully stand in line at the parts store at Napa and then ask for these parts. Because they had to notch him down a few you know, sizes, right? Those are terrible apprentices who come into, uh, you know, under the masters and they feel like the first thing they're going to do is tell the masters how to do their trade. But you know what? I tell Jesus what to do all the time. Don't you? No? Oh, shucks. I feel like one of the great challenges we have today is to embrace an apprenticeship of Jesus with humility. Instead of saying, oh, I know, you know, I know what to do. Or, oh, I know that scripture says that, but who follows that anyway? Or fall hook, line, and sinker for the latest dumb idea instead of going back to the playbook and saying, is this what the master wants? Of somehow looking at our lives and recognizing that as an apprentice, my first stance, my first posture, my first move is is to look to the master and say, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I think that challenges us. It challenges me. To remember who's the master and who's not. And to have a kind of humble learning posture. Even a childlikeness. An openness. And it doesn't mean we don't grow in proficiency and we don't grow in confidence. All of that is true, but never to the point where we've somehow said, step aside, Jesus, I'll fix it. But rather... Jesus, this is your business. It's your word I follow. I know that the people around me, even the people closest to me, even people who are faithful, may not understand what you're saying to me, may not understand the business that you've called and the way you've called me to follow you, but I'm submitted to your word, to your authority, serving in your mission and your priorities. And even if those around me do not get it, I'm looking to you. I'm following you. And together, as his apprentices, we orient ourselves around the master. Of course, we encourage one another. Of course, we challenge one another. But it's because together, we're committed to being about the father's business. Learning the Father's trade. 
operating under the Father's authority, come what may. As we head in to this master class in Luke, there's going to be opportunities along the way to remember whose business this is anyway. To learn, yes, what kind of business this is that Jesus is apprenticing us in, but along the way being reminded, right, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this, or I'm feeling challenged by this, or I'm feeling upset by this, because it's coming up against what I want to do, what I think is right. Or I was journaling this this morning, realizing that, oh, right, I really don't like it when people think I'm wrong. Do you? I really don't like it when people think I'm stupid. Do you? I really don't like it. This is real particular for me. I really don't like it if people think I'm mean. Do you? Some of you don't care about that one. Uh, I get your emails. Uh, uh, distracted. Um, my point is, listen, I got to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, you're, gonna, you're calling me to follow you, and there's going to be ways that that makes me feel really uncomfortable along the way. And as we're learning from the, the master himself, as we're apprenticing to him, we've just got to acknowledge that. Because along the way, we're going to have to remember whose business is this anyway. It's not mine. It's not yours either. It's his. And we're submitted to him. Now, as we proceed into this, I, I want to give more definition to what some of the ways, practical ways that we, as the Erickson Covenant Church, can engage in this apprenticeship. And I'm going to give those. But really, I, I, want, I don't want to put those out yet. I, I've got some, some ideas about that. But what I want to keep saying here in, the next, in, the, in these few, first opening weeks is just to say, do you want this? Do you, do you want to get in? Do you, are your hands ready? Are you, are you ready to show up when we gather here on Sunday mornings? Are you ready to show up at your small group? Are you ready to show up with a friend over coffee? Are you ready to show up in prayer uh, on a daily level? Are you ready to show up with hands ready as an apprentice to work in the trade of the Father? And I just want, that's the question I want you to leave with. I want you to leave with, am I? Am I really? Like, what are my hesitations? What bothers me about this? What kind of things is that going to, I don't have any idea. But am I going to trust him and follow? And that's the question I want ringing in your ears. Ringing in my heart. So that we can come to a place where you say, look, Jesus, I don't really know what this is going to mean. But I am going to say yes to you. Some of you have followed Jesus for a long time. It's time for you to say yes again. Some of you have left Jesus behind for weeks, years. It's time for you to retrace your steps and go find him again. Get oriented around him again. Some of you are just exploring who Jesus is. You're not certain you can trust him. Here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus. You don't have to believe in him to follow him. Did you know that? Because the disciples didn't. They had no idea who he was. Although he was compelling enough that they left their father's nets and followed, we'll see that. But they didn't know who he was yet. And so I love that because that means even you who are checking Jesus out and aren't sure, here's the thing. Get in the story. 
all of us can say yes. Wherever we are at, can say yes to Jesus and take that next step, opening up our hands to join this apprenticeship. So my ringing question for all of you is, are you ready to say yes? The worship team is going to come and lead us in one final song. It's a beautiful song that centers this question. Pulled out of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. Paul understands, the Apostle Paul that is, understands it is his life is now not oriented around himself, but around Christ in him. It's the same thing we noticed here in the person of Jesus. He is now operating under his father, his heavenly father, and the business that he's called him into. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing this next song together. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are the master of your father's trade, and we are not. We want to be your apprentices. At least some of us do. Some of us are wrestling with that. You know. I pray very specifically, Jesus, that you would help each one of us, wherever we are at, in relationship to you, in relationship to your father's business, relationship to the church, to the scriptures, that you would help each one of us identify what in particular you're asking us to do, what step you're asking us to take. And I do specifically pray that we would say yes to that step. Yes to your apprenticeship. As a church community, would you capture our imaginations? Would you overhaul our practices? Would you help us be a people who are about your father's business? We pray this in your name, Jesus, asking that you would lead us into this new year. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.